I'm like 31 years old, so they say, and I don't have any uh, risk factors. You know what I mean? Conditions. Yeah. So I figure I'll, I'll get it if I if I if they if I go to Israel and I have to get it, then I'll I'll go get it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. They they haven't gotten back to me yet. But any thoughts? No. But I'm planning to go to Utah tomorrow. I just, I just had to get my wheel fixed. Got anything new? No. Yeah, so Michael Michael Massad came to visit. Michael was the first person I showed the quadrant model to at UCSB. We were like, we were best friends, remember? Yeah. And, uh... <clears throat> And he said he wants me to move in with him if I, if things don't work out with Utah or Israel or whatever. He wants me to move in with him up in uh, Orange County or whatever. So. And then, yeah, I think I'm probably good. Any thoughts? No. Are you ready for me? Sounds re- like a good plan. Yeah, I think so. I want to get out of this spot because I've been here too long. Are you ready? I'm going to read that book, right? So it says, The floodwaters had a spiritually cleansing effect on the world. After the flood, the world and its inhabitants had a greater conscience and a greater appreciation of God. This is this in turn brought a greater peace and serenity to the world. Any thoughts? So real care. Although he encouraged them to repent, Noah did not pray for his generation. He only felt responsible for himself. This is in contrast to Abraham who prayed for Sodom to be saved. Any thoughts? No, I didn't remember that. Yeah, so Rabbi say that like Abraham was greater than Noah because Noah didn't pray for his generation to be saved. But remember, Abraham was like, God, you know, please, if there's like five people, let it be saved. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what do you think about that? Do you think that that's the idea of like activism or the idea that you want to be like, not to like, or maybe it's like mutual participation, like he's outside of himself or what? Except that I, I see the Noah story as, as purely metaphorical rather than historical. Yeah. Its truth is metaphorical. Well, not I, I remember. Historical. I remember you even said that you thought that Noah was greater than Abraham because because Noah didn't get involved in the activism and the conflict, you know, with God and stuff. Noah just did his thing, and that might be even better than Abraham, who who you know did the argument and stuff. Like any thoughts? But you know, you don't know. Right? That's right. So this is negative speech. When describing the animals that Noah should take into the ark, the Torah states, those are not those that are not pure, to avoid the negative term tame, impure. Negative speech is so undesirable that the Torah is careful not to disparage even an animal. Any thoughts? Well, interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I was talking about that in my book. You know, I was saying that like even even the animal, like you want to be, you don't want to be like, oh, that's a dirty animal or something like that. Because that's like blaming the victim. That's putting them down and justifying mistreatment. You know, any thoughts? Yeah, that would be. And it's like, okay, they deserve it. Oh, oh, you know why we hunt? Because they're dirty. They have ticks, you know. that And then and then that's blaming the victim. And it maintains a status quo. Whereas you don't have to be like that. You can have a respect and a reverence for the animal. You can still hunt it, perhaps, if it's necessary. But you want to do it with that higher consciousness of, of oneness and even go so far as not even just, oh, there's an energy event like us. Maybe that's true. But at the same time, I would say even go so farther and say that perhaps there's a personality aspect or perhaps there's even a consciousness. Like, any thoughts? Yeah, well, according to your, the book Subjective Evolution, everything has a consciousness, yeah. even rocks. Yeah, any thoughts on so blessing of unity. Noah's generation worked against each other while those who built the Tower of Babel worked together in unity. Therefore, God did not destroy them. Any thoughts? No. So it says, uh, <clears throat> these are the offspring of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Since the Torah mentions him, it tells his praise in the spirit of the verse. The mention of a righteous man is for blessing. Proverbs ten seven. Alternatively, the Torah is teaching us that the main offspring of the righteous are their good deeds. Any thoughts? 
do you think about that? The main offspring of the righteous is their good deeds. I think that's a good, interesting idea because it's, you know, goes against an idea like the genetic Darwinism. Like some people will be like, yeah, be fruitful, multiply. And they're like, yeah, that, you know, this is just a genetic Darwinian text, you know, by the Israelites. And they were just, you know, it was, it was for them, but no, it could be broader and it could be like, be fruitful and multiply your good deeds. Like any thoughts? But you would say creativity. You, you you would say like creativity is better than good deeds, right? Or do you, do you look highly upon good deeds? Any thoughts? No, that's what I think good deeds are. It's creative creativity. It's like mutual participation too, right? Yeah. But you know, we, we know the idea that somebody can be pretending to do good deeds, but he can still be within a, a consciousness and a framework that's negative, you know, and it, and it could be counterproductive. Like any thoughts? It would be like oh, yeah. it would be like I'm doing a good deed and I'm 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 selling, you know, guns to, to uh, terrorists. Right, like, but we're helping them. But are you helping them? Yeah. yeah it's, it's being a beneficial person rather than a beneficial presence. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Righteous man, perfect in his generation, Noah walked with God. There are four levels alluded to in this verse. Man, a regular person, righteous, all his deeds, perfect, a man who is in perfect character and serves God sincerely, and walk with God, a man whose life is focused on the creator. Any thoughts? He was righteous because he resisted the wicked and violent tendencies of the generation of the flood. He was perfect because he resisted... The intellectual corruption of the generation of dispersion who built the Tower of Babel. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I wouldn't use the word resisted. He, he, um, he I, I can't think of the right word. In other words, he walked away from it. He didn't resist it. He just had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. He transcended it? But maybe maybe resistance is a, is a first step to that though, like I don't want to deny resistance. Maybe resistance is like you know like you resist your alcoholism at, at first, then you can walk away from it. But the first step is to resist. Like any thoughts? Well, well that might be a first step for some people. So it says he was perfect in his generation. Some of our sages interpret this positively, explaining that if he had lived in a generation of righteous people, he would have been even more righteous. Others interpret it derogatively. Explaining that Noah was righteous only relatively, but if he had lived in Abraham's generation, he would not have been considered especially righteous at all. Any thoughts? God told Noah that he was going to bring a flood and wipe out mankind, but since Noah was told that he and his family would be saved, he did not pray to God for the salvation of the rest of the world, and they were destroyed. Contrast this with Moses, who prayed for the Jewish people when they worshipped the golden calf and they were saved. Any thoughts? said earlier that that I don't compare the two because the one is historical and the other is metaphorical. Yeah. Any thoughts on No. So it says, uh, see, see how far, oh wait, and then it says, uh, <clears throat> a Kabbalah bites. The generation of the flood was the first incarnation of the dysfunctional souls. Uh, which Adam had brought into being during the 130 years he separated from Eve. Since these souls had been formed through wasted seed, their obsessive compulsive sin was to spill their own seed on the ground. Wasted on the ground. God thus said, I will wash away man, because Adam himself was directly responsible for these souls. And he thus. Rabbi Judah said, Moses asked for forgiveness in the merit of the patriarchs, but Noah, who had no such merit, was unable to do so. And he thus. Rabbi Isaac said, not, what I said before. Yeah, Rabbi Isaac said, notwithstanding the impediment, Noah had uh, should have prayed for his generation. Any thoughts? No. We are taught to judge every person favorably. Why then did some of the sages inter- interpret Noah's actions derogatively? Any thoughts? Yeah, well, they did because they, they saw it as a historical story rather than a metaphorical story. To repudiate the notion that yeah, I, no- see, I see, I see Noah as representing humankind. Yeah, that's it. Not just, not just a person, person and their personal group. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> no. To repudiate the notion of Noah's behavior, <clears throat> saving himself alone was acceptable. By expressing their discontent, the sages 
sent a message that you must always accept responsibility for the people around you, both physically and spiritually. Any thoughts? <clears throat> In actual fact, Noah did involve himself with his contemporaries and spent 120 years rebuking them to repentance. However, his efforts were not considered genuine for a man of his piety. Noah rebuked the generation only because he was commanded to do so, to discharge the obligation which God had given him. It did not bother him sufficiently whether the generation would actually repent, and it was his lack of sincerity that caused his lack of success. Any thoughts? I think that's an interesting idea and a really true idea. Like your sincerity is really important and it in like and it will produce your success. And that's an idea that the people like, you know, the, the people of the secret talk about. Like if you really believe it, you can produce it. You can manifest it magically. But the thing is the the difficulty isn't that, oh yeah, well no, the difficulty is really believing it and really wanting it. You know, any thoughts? So it says, in actual fact, no, okay, so it says, con contrast it with Moses who demonstrated self-sacrifice when his people were in jeopardy, pleading to God. If you forgive their sin, then well and good, but if not, please erase me from your book, the Torah. Any thoughts? It says, Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. His sons' names hint to Noah's own good deeds, mentioned in the previous verse. Shem, yeah, and like your thoughts are very powerful. It's, it's almost like when I was playing basketball after the shootaway messed up my shot and I wanted my teammates to do bad so I would do, look better. But then I would be cheering for my teammates though. Like, come on guys, you know, do better. But I didn't really want them to do better. And that probably has an effect on them. You know what I mean? So your, your intentions and your mentality, but like sadly that was because of shootaway. But any thoughts? Yeah, yeah that could be. That was, that was in college, I remember. But, uh, but yeah, the freaking shoot away fucked up my shot and everything, and dad didn't realize it. But any thoughts on it? The whole game, but. Shem meaning name reflects on Noah's effort to glorify the name of God through his deeds. Ham meaning warmth symbolizes Noah's warmth and enthusiasm for God's commandments. Japheth meaning beauty suggests that Noah's deeds brought honor and glory to God. Any thoughts? The earth has become full of robbery. Their sin consisted of lewdness and immorality, but their fate was sealed only on account of the robbery they committed. Any thoughts? So it says, see how far reaching are the consequences of robbery. The people of Noah's generation transgressed all seven universal Noahide laws, including prohibitions against idol worship, blasphemy, murder, forbidden relations, robbery, cruelty to animals, and their command to administer justice. Nevertheless, the decree of their punishment through the flood was not sealed until they engaged in robbery as God proclaimed the earth has become full of robbery I am going to destroy them any thoughts yeah what do you think the significance of that is any thoughts no. so it says the reason why the Torah contains the three accounts of Cain and Abel the generation of the flood the generation of the dispersion is because we all need to rid ourselves of three undesirable traits uh, which these stories highlight jealousy lust and honor any thoughts? What was the first one? Jealousy. Jealousy, lust. And honor. Uh, Any thoughts? No. This is making our God has many ways at his disposal with which to bring relief and salvation. Like, I've never, I don't really think of myself as, whatever, but. He burdened Noah with constructing an ark in order that the masses should see him busy with the construction for 120 years and asked him, and 120 is a significant number, it's 40 times 3, and they talked about that in some of the in some of the things I listened to, but any thoughts? Um, so it says, Noah would then inform them, God is going to bring a flood upon the world and perhaps they would repent. Any thoughts? Charge is not working. Um, the reason why, okay. Noah's mission, uh, a light for the ark. Noah's mission was to take a world of misery and transform it into a world of light. God told him to make a light, Zohar, which has the same letters of the Hebrew word for misery, Zara, replacing misery with light.
I'm trying to figure out why this uh, charger is not working. Says, uh, I am ready to bring a flood of water upon the earth. The people of Noah's generation only became arrogant because of the goodness that God lavished on them. They said, do we need the Almighty for anything more than a drop of rain? Actually, we do not even need him for that. We have rivers and streams from which to sustain ourselves. Any thoughts? So spiritual vitamin. By attaching ourselves to God, we can sometimes defy the laws of nature. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's certainly possible. So as God said, with the very goodness that I gave them, they provoke me. Well, with that same abundance, I will punish them. Immediately, God informed Noah, I am ready to bring a flood of water upon the earth. Any thoughts? From the animals that are not pure. The Torah uses eight Hebrew letters more than necessary in an effort to avoid using an unpleasant term. For instead of simply referring to the impure animals, it employs a roundabout phrase, animals that are not pure. This teaches you that you should go out of your way to avoid distasteful speech. Any thoughts? So spiritual vitamin. The core of Jewish vanity and indestructibility is pure faith in God, not in some kind of abstract deity hidden somewhere in the heavenly spheres who regards this world from a distance, but an absolute faith in a very personal God who is the very life and existence of each of us who permeates every aspect of existence. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's almost, uh, almost, uh, uh, what's the word? That God is in everything in the rocks, um, Animism? The name for that. Animism? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. When you have such faith, there is no room for fear or anxiety. As the psalmist says, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Any thoughts? No. All the wellsprings of the great death burst forth. In the 600 year... But, but he says it's, he says it's personal. And you didn't like the idea of personal, but what do you thought, any thoughts of that? No, he didn't say that God is personal. He said he's... It's it's personal to everyone. Everyone sees it as a as a, their their essence as a person. God is their essence. Just by absolute faith in a very personal God. Any thoughts? No. So it says in the six hundredth year of the sixth millennium, there will be an opening of the supernal gates of mystical wisdom and the lower wellspring of secular wisdom, preparing. The world for the seventh millennium like a person who begins to prepare himself for the sabbath on friday when the sun heads downward this is indicated by the verse in the 600th year of noah's life all the wellsprings of the great deaths burst forth and the aperture of the skies opened up any thoughts there was rain on the earth here the verse states there was rain in the earth for 40 days and nights suggesting that there was only comparatively harmless rain, and yet the Torah ends a different message later. The flood was <clears throat> on the earth for 40 days, indicating a much stronger downfall. Any thoughts? No. We can resolve this contradiction by explaining that when God brought the rains down, he initially um, brought them down with mercy, so that if people would repent, they would be rains of blessing. When they failed to repent, the rains became a flood. It doesn't. No. Um, I guess this idea too, like you know, what 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 could be bad could could also be good. You know, it just depends on how you react to it, right? Yeah, that could be. So forty days and forty nights, the flood came to purify the earth. The earth came. The earth had become filled with robbery and corruption to the extreme and required purification. It was for this reason that the floodwaters came for 40 days, like a ritual pool, mikvah, which must contain a minimum of 40 seya of rainwater if it is to purify the ritually unclean. Any thoughts? No. So it kind of like represents a baptism, huh? Yeah, it could be. I hadn't, hadn't thought of that. 
God caused a spirit of consolation and relief to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Although this verse is speaking about an act of divine mercy, it uses the divine name Elohim, which represents God's attribute of justice. This suggests that the prayers of the righteous Noah were effective in transforming justice to mercy. Any thoughts? Conversely, wicked people transform God's attribute of mercy indicated by the Tetragrammaton Havaya to justice. As the verse states, God saw that man's wickedness on earth was, and it says, Kabbalah bites. Noah's failure to pray for his generation later achieved tikkun, healing, when he was reincarnated, reincarnated as Moses. Here God washed away Yemah all existence as a result of Noah's heir. To correct this, Moses requested from God that if he would not forgive the Jewish people, please erase me, Meheni, from your book. Any thoughts? No, that was news to me also. Yeah, what do you think about that? Please erase me from your book. Like, what do you think about that? Any thoughts? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah, well, I, I look at or it like, do I like, 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 like we're all characters in the book. Like, you know, it's a play. It's a book. It's like a literature. And it, it's already written. But, you know, erase me from the book. But it, it's almost like we're an artwork. You know, like, any thoughts about that? Good. So it says, increasing God, Havaya said, I will wash away man whom I created. Even though the verse speaks of destruction, justice, the tetragrammaton is used, indicating that the attribute of mercy was transformed to justice through man's wickedness. Any thoughts? No. Spiritual vitamin. There are no random occurrences in the world. Even the painful episode of life are part of the divine plan, a system which encompasses you and your family and every person, thing, and event. Any thoughts? It's all a part of the cosmic ballet. He sent out the raven, but it circled. The raven alludes to anger. Noah wanted anger to be gone from the world, but God sent him a message that for the time being, this emotion is still needed. Sometimes when you are gripped by an inappropriate passion, the only way of conquering it is getting angry at yourself. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's a good concession. Understanding of a concession. But the raven only circled. Anger is only necessary until the waters dried up off the earth. Until the future era when man's lust will be eradicated. Any thoughts? No. The dove returned to him, a torn olive leaf in its mouth. The dove exclaimed to God, Master of the universe, I would rather my food be a, as bitter as an olive, but from God's hand, than sweet as honey, but reliant upon man. Any thoughts? torn olive leaf where did the dove find an olive leaf with leaves so soon after the flood the dove got its leaf from the mount of olives since the flood waters did not fall in the land of israel any thoughts <clears throat> alternatively the gates of the garden of eden were opened for the dove and it brought the leaf from there any thoughts yeah well again if that were a historical event that would be impossible you can flood the whole the whole earth, but one one sec section would be avoided. Well, the the Korean cult that I went to said that when they talk about world, you know, there's different meanings of world in the Bible, and world was just, you know, there, there's different worlds in the Bible. There's worlds plural, so the idea was it was just that part of the Middle East, that one world. But there, there was other parts of the world that weren't flooded. But any thoughts? Again, that's trying to rationalize, uh, give some kind of rational explanation to a story that's not, not historical. Yeah, but maybe it is historical, though. You don't know. That's the thing. It could be both historical and not historical. Different dimensions and domains. Any thoughts? Well, it could be, but I doubt it. Go out of the ark. Since he only entered the ark according to God's instruction, Noah waited for God's command to leave. Noah and his family enjoyed in the ark a taste of the messianic era when animals will coexist in peace, which explains why he was reluctant to leave. Any thoughts? No. They said they got that from Isaiah 11. Remember, like, the, the, the sheep will rust with the snake and all that, remember? Some people think that's some people think that's metaphorical of nations, like different nations represent different animals. But any thoughts? Yeah, could be. But God told Noah to leave the ark, since the, his mission in life was not to isolate himself in an atmosphere of holiness, but rather to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Any thoughts? No. 
You might be tempted to lock yourself away in an ark of personal spirituality. The Torah, however, teaches that you must go out of the ark and take responsibility for the world around you. Any thoughts? Yeah, you need to be an agent of the synergistic process occurring throughout. Yeah, and also just, just a part of, you know, transformation and growing and, and also making the book. The play is not staying to yourself, but interacting and being a part of the of the of the play, you know, of the, of the novel, any yeah. thoughts? Yeah, or the ballet as I see it. Interacting, like, I like the idea of playing a novel too, but any thoughts? Yeah. So for, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from, or movie from his first stirrings in the womb. The impulse is evil, the impulse to evil is fully present at birth. The impulse to good enters you slowly as you develop and perfect your mind, any thoughts? You think that's true? Well, I don't know. They, they say that that children are very violent, but they're just not strong enough to hurt each other. But like, any thoughts? I uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't subscribe to that generalization. Um, yeah, they, they did like some studies about that. Right? So it says, uh, there will not cease day and night. The corruption of the pre-flood generation had come about because man's life was too easy. The land had required sowing only once to produce crops for 40 harvests. With little demands on time, man's moral caliber soon declined. Any thoughts? No. To ensure that the scenario would not repeat itself, God altered the agricultural cycle after the flood. Requiring man to work incessantly day and night. Now he would simply be too busy to sin. Any thoughts? No. Spiritual vitamin. It was the creator's will to, that your soul, which is part of the divine above, should descend into the physical and coarse world and be confined within and united with your physical body for scores of years in a state which is absolutely abhorrent to its very nature. All this for the purpose of a divine mission which your soul has to fulfill, to purify and spiritualize your physical body and the surrounding physical environment by permeating them with the light of God, so as to make this world an abode of for the Shekinah, divine presence. Any thoughts? You think that's true? Well, that—that's uh, what I—I I, I would think is realizing your potential, making your potential real. Eight thousand. No. If I place my rainbow in the cloud, if God had made the rainbow with its ends. In the sky, it would resemble a giant archery bow, arching towards earth as if arrows were being shot at the earth from heaven. Instead, its end face it ends face downward as a sign of peace. This also makes it more obvious that it is a bow lacking a string from which arrows cannot be fired. Any thoughts? Could be accurate. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's stretching the imagination if you really understand that this world is, you know, quadrant. It's it's way beyond your fucking imagination. Like, you look at the stuff, the quadrant stuff. That you, you know, you haven't studied everything I did. If you read all the books and study all that, there's a there's a supernatural, mystical thing going on, and you can see. And it does. It's not a stretch of the imagination to imagine that there's signs like that. Any thoughts? Signs like what? That there are signs in reality that symbolize things. But anyways, do do have you studied the quadrant model? Have you looked through all the stuff yet? You probably haven't, because you know it's difficult. Okay, thoughts on? No. But I mean, you'd have to look through my Tumblr accounts. You'd have to look through all that stuff, and you don't even have access to all that probably. Okay, thoughts on? No. So it says, when I will consider causing clouds of darkness and destruction to come upon the earth, the rainbow will appear in the cloud. God shows the rainbow when it arises in his mind to bring darkness and destruction to the world. The rainbow does not appear on every cloudy day 
or on any occasion that it rains, but only when the generation deserves destruction to indicate that God is guarding his promise. Any thoughts? Everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. Hasidic thought teaches that before the flood, God sustained the world despite its low spiritual standing, but to his attribute of kindness. There was a limit, however, to how long God was willing to sustain a world without merit, hence the flood. Any thoughts? The waters of the flood were not merely a punishment. They purified the world, making physicality in general more refined and spiritually attuned. Consequently, in the post-flood era, people were more disposed to repentance. This ensured that God would always sustain the world, not despite of, but because of its spiritual standing. Even if man would become corrupt, people would inevitably repent, ensuring that the world itself would have sufficient merits for its continued existence. Any thoughts? With this in mind, we can explain the following details. No, one, Noah was unaware of the above, so he was afraid to repopulate the world, fearing it would be destroyed again. Therefore, God had to recommand him to be fruitful and multiply. The inner reason why Noah's generation failed to repent was because before the flood, the world was spiritually insensitive. Meat is an extremely coarse food that can lead a person to excessive physicality. Thus, it was only permitted to the more spiritually attuned post-flood generation. Any thoughts? Before the flood, people had extremely long lifespans because the world was sustained by God's kindness, which was bestowed disproportionately to people's merits. Any thoughts? No. Before the flood, physicality was more coarse. This was true in a literal sense, to the extent that the clouds were too thick to refract light, so a rainbow never appeared. After the flood, physicality became more refined, so the clouds began to refract light. Thus, the rainbow was not only a sign of God's promise not to destroy the world, it was also a physical consequence of the refinement of the world that ensured its permanent existence. Any thoughts? He drank of the wine. Huh? There's just a lot of, um, of speculation going on there, it seems. Yeah. Any thoughts on he drank of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself in his tent. Noah's misconduct with the wine was spiritually corrected by Joseph, who says the Babylonian Talmud uh, refrained from drinking wine for the entire period he was separated from his brothers. Any thoughts? Oh, I didn't. I never saw any connection between those two stories. Yeah, well, they're, they're trying to make, you know, they're even saying that, like, Moses was a reincarnation of Noah, so they're making connections between all the stories. You know, any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts? No. So they did not see their father's nakedness. If you are unclean when you tend to see and become frustrated by the uncleanness of others, a pure person sees only what his fellow is in need for, in need of help. Any thoughts? No. Spiritual visioning. One of the basic elements of the divine design as revealed in the Torah is that God desires it to be carried out by choice and not out of compulsion. Any thoughts? Yeah, it has to come from within rather than being imposed. You have therefore, the, from... you have therefore the free will to live in accordance with God's will or in defiance of it. Any thoughts? Spiritual vitamin. When when we invest in our children, their original capital not only yields the highest dividends, but the dividends themselves become investment capital of the highest yield. Any thoughts? Do you think that's true? Well, yeah. It, it, the kids can benefit from the water in which the parents are floating their boats. So this Kabbalah bites the tower of the tower that the descendants of Adam, Bene Adam, had built. These were Bene Adam, children of Adam, more literally than you might imagine. According to Rabbi Isaac Luria, the souls of this generation represented the second reincarnation of the dysfunctional souls, which Adam brought into being during the 130 years he separated from his wife. These souls were literally fathered by Adam himself, which is why they are referred to here as his children. Any thoughts? The, 
the bricks were like stones for them. When they would bring up the bricks, they would climb from the east and they would go from the west. If a man fell down and died, they did not pay any attention. But if a brick fell down, they stopped working and cried, saying, Woe to us. When will another brick be brought in its place? Any thoughts? That's very interesting. Yeah, any thoughts on that? No. So they didn't care about people. They cared more about the work, huh? Apparently. Yeah. It seems like a real lack of compassion and shit. Like, any thoughts? No, there must be some meaning to that somewhere. So we did not... It, it, that's like putting work before, you know, compassion and stuff. Like, you know, you might say, okay, that's synergistic and stuff to be doing the work, but not if it's at the expense of, you know, that morality. Like, any thoughts on that? So it says, we do not become scattered upon the face of the entire earth. Why was the so-called generation of this version who built the Tower of Babel so afraid of becoming scattered upon the face of the earth? What would be the problem of inhabiting the world at large? The people of the generation wanted to draw down God's blessings without following God's will. They understood that divine energy will always flow into a place of peace and harmony. So they figured that by keeping together in one giant harmonious community, they would bring down sufficient divine energy to grant them physical blessings of prosperity. Any thoughts? Therefore, their primary fear was that of being scattered, for the destruction of their community would stop the flow of easy blessings from heaven. Any thoughts? Yeah, I guess they were thinking that their insider group was uh, their homemade plan of protection and promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Says the key to their unity was the language that they spoke, Hebrew, being the language of the Torah and the language with which God created the world. The holy tongue provided them with a powerful tool to unify themselves. Any thoughts? No. To thwart their plan, God took away the power that was unifying them. Let us descend and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other's language. Any thoughts? God dispersed them. Whose sins were worse? Those of the generation of the flood or of the generation of the dispersion? Seemingly in the generation of dispersion for the former did not antagonize God intentionally unlike the latter who waged war against him. Nevertheless, the former were drowned while the latter did not perish from the world. This is because those generation were thieves and lived in strife, and therefore they were destroyed. But the generation of the dispersion behaved with love and friendship among themselves. Any thoughts? From this you can learn just how hateful is discord and how very great is peace. God confused the language of the entire earth. Even after God confused all the languages, something of the holy tongue remained in every language. Every language contains at least a few words of Torah. That is the inner reason why the Jewish people have been exiled. Any thoughts? follow that argument spiritual vitamin the human mind is so inconsistent that you might readily overlook the most glaring and evident truths that bar the way to the gratification of your lusts any thoughts so that's the reason why the jewish people have been exiled among all the nations to elevate in the course of their discussions in the various languages the holy letters of the torah which became mixed in them any thoughts Kabbalabites. Abraham and Haran came to this world to achieve a tikkun, spiritual healing, for Adam's sin of worshipping idols. Abraham, who rejected idol worship and affirmed belief in one God, achieved this successfully, but Haran did not. After Haran died in, Nim in Nimrod's fiery furnace, he was reincarnated as Aaron to achieve tikkun. Any thoughts? Haran died during the lifetime of his father Terah. By pointing out that Haran died... In his father's lifetime, the Torah alludes to the fact that Haran died as a direct result of his father's actions. Any thoughts? No. Terah complained to King Nimrod that Abram had crushed his idols, so Nimrod cast Abram into a fiery furnace. Haran sat and thought, if Abram is victorious, I will be on his side, and if Nimrod is victorious, I will be on his side. Any thoughts? No, 
Are you getting anything out of this? Yep. All right. So it says, when Abram was saved, Haran was asked, whose side are you on? Haran replied, I am on Abram's side. He was cast into the fiery furnace and he was burned. Any thoughts? Is that the idea of like, you know, be, be authentically on the side of good or whatever? So Kabbalahites, from the words Sarai was barren, we know already that she had no children. Why does the verse need to add she had no child? Even if a union of two bodies fails to produce a child in this world, it definitively or it definitely gives rise to souls in the upper world, souls of those who are destined to convert to Judaism. So while Sarai had no child in this world, she did not, she did give birth to many souls in heaven, the souls that they made in Haran. Any thoughts? So Sarai was barren. She had no child. Surely it is obvious that one who was barren has no child. Rather, the Torah is implying that she did not even have a womb, the potential to have a child. Any thoughts? No. They reached as far as Haran and settled there. It is relatively easy to embark on a spiritual journey. The difficulty lies in completing it. Even ordinary people of no special religious caliber will often have an awakening inspiring them to change radically. But somewhere... Along the line, their spirits become stifled and their plans thwarted. Any thoughts? Yeah, you can, you can assume that you've arrived rather than const constantly letting go and moving on. Yeah. Any thoughts on No. It says, contrast Tara, who set out to go to the land of Canaan with good intentions, but only reached as far as Haran. With Abram... Who persisted and completed his mission journey to the land? Any thoughts? Um, so, when when God spoke to Abraham for the first time, the era of human divine cooperation began, a precursor of the future Sinaitic revelation. God told Abraham to leave his prior value system and become a partner with God in enacting the divine plan of creation. Any thoughts? Abraham was careful, uh, financial integrity. Abraham was careful to muzzle his animals so that they should not graze in fields which would not did not belong to him. Any thoughts? No. Names. Your, he your Hebrew name does not merely label you. It reflects your inner essence. God changed Abraham and Sarah's name, making Abraham the father of a multitude of nations and Sarah a princess to all mankind. Any thoughts? Oh, I can't remember from my Hebrew studies about what the meaning of that changing from Abram to Abraham, the addition of the, the ha. Yeah. And it doesn't? No. So mitzvah. Although Abraham observed all the commandments, he waited for God to command him personally uh, before circumcising. The highest form of worshiping God is by following his explicit commands in the Torah. Everything else is somewhat subjective. Any thoughts? So, I mean, what they're saying is like, you know, people say like, well, I'm a good person. I, you know, give, I, I do this and I do that. But they're saying that's not really good. What's good is actually just following the commands. Like, any thoughts? Yeah. Because that's like commitments and rituals, right? And and that's not being a good person, but it can help get you in the flow, right? Or... Yep. Yeah, exactly. It says, go from your land, your birthplace, and your father's house. Abram was not commanded merely to leave his physical homeland, but also to depart from the undesirable habits he had acquired there. In fact, God's command implied a sequential removal of bad habits. First, the removal of superficial habits, those that came from your surroundings and habitat, go from the land, and subsequently the more deeply ingrained habits, like those formed in your childhood by your family members, your birthplace, and your father's house. Since the latter are entrenched deeply in the psyche, more effort is required to remove them. Any thoughts? Go from your habits, your circumstances, and your relationships. From your homemade plans of protection and promotion. Yeah, doesn't it? No. It says, go for your own benefit and for your own good. If God promised Abram that, the, that this journey would be for his own benefit and good, as Rashi suggests, then why is, it, why is this considered one of Abram's ten trials? What great test is there in doing something for your own benefit? Any thoughts? It's the nature of the hero's journey. 
says, We soon discover, however, that Abram departed solely because of God's command and not out of the desire for personal gain. Abram left as God had told him. His test then was uh, whether, after all these promises of reward, he would be able to follow God's command with purity, as God had told him, without mixing in thoughts of future benefits. Any thoughts? So that's the idea of like just doing it as a ritual and not doing it for anything, for goals and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So spiritual vitamin. God's call to Abram to leave his land and birthplace in order to begin a new life in the promised land is also symbolically speaking the call and challenge to you not to be swayed by inborn temptations, acquired habits, or common daily routine. Any thoughts? Yeah. So this could also be rendered as go to yourself, reveal your true identity as a Jew. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of that. So what does that mean? Go to your, go to your true identity. Mm-hmm. I'm a sojourner. I'm a seeker of truth. He says this. This could be rendered as "go to yourself, reveal your true identity as a Jew." Any thoughts? So, so when you're saying you're you're a Jew, you're not saying like, "Oh, I'm biologically a Jew." What you're saying is, "I am somebody who is letting go of idols to the flow." And that's probably why the rabbis say, like, never deny that you're a Jew. Like, that's what they mean, probably. Not not that you're biologically, you know, but but never, you know, never let go of your commitment to the truth. Like, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I suspect that's true. So, from your land means go away from your worldliness, from the physical desires. Land sharing the same root as Ratzon, desire. Any thoughts? From your birthplace means that you you should not fulfill the commandments by rote as a habitual routine with which you were brought up. Any thoughts? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm a process. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I I always got the impression when you said like yeah they're just ritual disciplines and stuff. I always got the impression that you want it to just be done by rote. You know. Any thoughts? As like a habitual routine, but but he's saying like no, don't do it like that. I guess you have to do it with fervor, maybe even a desire for connection with the supreme kind of, or you know at least like some sort of transcendental. I mean that's a goal orientation, but still like, don't do it by rote. Maybe do it with some sort of fervor, some sort of passion, some sort of you know aliveness. Like I don't know any thoughts. Yeah, that's the only way it's of any benefit. So do you, is it good to 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 imagine some sort of supernatural being, you know, connecting you to mystical, you know, synchronistic qualities and stuff as you're doing the rituals and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It's a way of, of, um, inviting yourself to be in a, a higher, more transcendent domain. So this from your father's house indicates wisdom, which is referred to as father in the Kabbalah. The father alluded to in this verse is the wisdom of the evil impulse. The Torah tells us, go away from your father. Don't be a wise guy. When it comes to God's laws, don't rationalize them away. It does. Um, it says, it is through putting the above steps into practice that you come to the land which I will show you. God will lead you to and reveal to you the true spirituality of God's supernal land. It does. I will bless those who bless you. The literal translation reads, I will bless those who bless you and any person who curses you, I will curse. Any thoughts? No. Notice that the Torah placed the phrase, I will bless before those who bless you, indicating that those who intend to bless Abram will receive God's blessing even before they articulate their actual blessing. God counts a good intention as if the deed were performed. Any thoughts? If you have any thoughts, you know, just, just just chime in. Like I remember you said before that, you know, you thought if it's not just for Abraham, it's like a blessing anybody who you bless because you're in that higher state, right? Any thoughts? Yeah. But maybe also it is especially for Abraham because, you know, bless somebody who's in that higher state, you know, that's helping so, somebody who, who has that potential, kind of like me. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't want special treatment. Uh, no, I want because I'm doing so much good stuff so much you know big stuff i want to have extra support 
because I'm doing the huge stuff and I can have so much potential to do even greater stuff because of all the stuff I'm doing now. As it says, he who has more shall, more shall be given. I have the potential to do that. And that's what I've been doing. Whereas a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people, they don't even try. They don't, they, they wouldn't even be reading this. They, they wouldn't be doing the, you know, they wouldn't be, I have the potential with the basketball, with the, with making raps and stuff. If he, and if people supported, if people blessed, then that would bring blessing to everybody. But if people decide not to, that's going to curse everybody. Any other thoughts on that? So it says, notice that the Torah placed the phrase, I, okay, so conversely, the passage concludes, um, any person who causes you, who curses you, I will curse, indicating that Abram's detractors will be cursed by God only after they actually have fulfilled their intention to curse him. God does not consider a bad intention as if a misdeed were performed. Any thoughts? Abram left as God had told him. Our father Abraham was tested with ten trials. Oh, it says Kabbalahites. The soul has three levels. There's actually four. There's a transcendent fourth. But the soul has three three levels. Nefesh, soul, ruah, spirit, and neshama, numa. Each soul must pass through at least three incarnations to achieve fulfillment on each of these levels. This is alluded to by God's threefold command here. From the land, nefesh, your birthplace, ruah, and your father's house, neshama. Nevertheless, on each occasion, Lot went with him. Our inner demons accompany us to make each life a meaningful challenge. Any thoughts? So, influence one. Influential people seek to murder the infant Abraham, and he is hidden in the underground cave for thirteen years. Any thoughts? No. Uh. Two. Abraham is imprisoned for ten years, after which he is cast into a fiery furnace. Three. Abraham is told to migrate to Canaan, away from his father's house and birthplace. And migration is harder for a man than for any other creature. Any thoughts? Four, a famine. The first since the creation of the world drives Abraham to Egypt. Five, Pharaoh seizes Abraham's wife, Sarah, to be his wife. Is there any man who, seeing his wife taken by another man, would not tear his garments in mourning? But Abraham trusted that God would not allow Pharaoh to touch her. Any thoughts? Six, Abraham battles a group of kings who had captured Lot. Seven, Abraham sees in a vision that his descendants were to be enslaved. He carries out the covenant of the parts. Eight, Abraham is circumcised at the age of 99. Nine, Ishmael, who was an archer, shoots an arrow at Isaac, attempting to kill him. This forced Abraham to send away Hagar and her son from the world and from the world to come, which disturbed Abraham greatly, more than all the other misfortunes which he had suffered. Ten, God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. On an altar. Any thoughts? So Kabbalahites. Why were Abraham and Isaac confronted with challenges over their wives? Something Jacob was spared from, even though he had four wives. Only Abraham and Isaac sought to teach the nations of the world uh, the Kabbalistic secrets of monotheism, whereas Jacob did not. Abraham, Abraham's contemporaries pose, thus posed questions to him about the Kabbalah. Is Sarai your wife or your sister? Meaning to say... Do the male and female elements of divinity, Zara and Pin and Malkut, enjoy a vertical relationship or a horizontal one? Any thoughts? No. Do you think that, that the idea of like, you know, the, the male and female parts of divinity, is that reinforcing male-female dualistic consciousness or any thoughts? Depends upon how you look at it. Some would see it as reinforcing it, and some would seeing it as an expression of oneness. So, Sameness. Yeah. Abram went down to Egypt. Abram and Sarai's descent into Egypt was a precursor of the Egyptian exile. Abram's escape from Egypt as a wealthy man opened the spiritual channels of redemption that enabled the, his children to leave Egypt laden with gold and silver. Any thoughts? Similarly, Sarai's extreme caution against becoming defiled by the Pharaoh later empowered her descendants, the Jewish women in Egypt, with the strength to remain faithful to their families. Any thoughts? No. Human love is rooted in the world of supreme hesed, divine kindness. But when man receives the hesed, it contains a mixture of good and evil. It is a, a fallen love. The purpose of your worship is to purify this love and to raise it back up to God. Any thoughts? To do this, you must learn to manage bad love. When a negative form of love comes to you, 
causing you to desire something forbidden, say to yourself, this love has fallen from the world of love, from the love of God. It is my task to raise it up back. How could I possibly do an evil act that is tempting me to do, causing it to fall still further? Any thoughts? I was, I was thinking that that's like the idea of higher aspiration, spiritual aspiration. Any thoughts? Also tell yourself, if my love has been aroused by the negative desire for this fallen material object, then how much greater should my love be for God and his Torah, through which all being was created? Any thoughts? No. Abram mastered the emotion of love to the extent he was called Abraham my lover. Isaiah 41.8 God wanted Abram to go down to the nations of the world whose qualities were in a very fallen state, especially in Egypt, and to elevate the love that had fallen there. Thus, Abram went down into Egypt. Any thoughts? But he did so with great trepidation, so as not to emulate their fallings, ensuring that this ascent was for the sake of ascent. Any thoughts? Yeah, sounds like a metaphor for the hero's journey. It's a spiritual vitamin. Abraham received a command from God to set out on a journey whose purpose was spreading of God's name in the world. But since he might have thought that giving of himself to others may personally deprive him in some way, God assured him at once that he would be blessed with extraordinary success materially and spiritually. By giving of yourself to others who are in need of your teachings and inspiration, far from losing anything through the process, you will gain much more in terms of personal success. Any thoughts? No, that's good. Good advice. Please say that you are my sister so that they will favor me because of you and my life will be spared thanks to you. This is very problematic. Would Abram, who feared God and who loved God, say about his wife for his own benefit? Even though Abram feared God, he did not rely on his own merit. He did not ask God to save Sarai in his own merit, but rather in hers. He knew that it was through her merit that he would accumulate wealth from the other nations since a person acquires money in the merit of his wife. Abram went to Egypt to obtain food from the other nations in her merit. He relied on her merit that he would not be hurt and she would not be touched. And so he was not afraid to say she is my sister. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, that's a metaphor for not, not relying on your own merit, thinking you merit something. But how does that relate to saying you're, she's my sister? Any thoughts? Yeah, that, well, it's, See, he's saying the merit lies not with me, but elsewhere, and metaphorically in his wife. Yeah. So it says flocks, cattle, donkeys, ma manservants, maidservants, she donkeys, and camels. The Torah enumerates a total of seven items here, alluding to the idea that Abram embodied hesed love, the highest of the soul's seven emotional attributes. Any thoughts? In reference to Isaac, six details of property are mentioned. He had flocks of sheep, flocks of cattle, and many enterprises, alluding to his trait of Gavura, the sixth highest emotion. In case of Jacob, five items are specified. I possess oxen, donkeys, flocks, servants, and maids, alluding to his predominant trait of Tiferet, harmony, the, fi the fifth highest emotional attribute of the soul. Any thoughts? Kabbalahites. By saying we are relatives, Abraham alluded to the fact that both he and Lot were reincarnations of different portions of Adam's soul. But unlike Abraham's soul, Lot had become entangled in Kelepot, demonic forces, as a result of Adam's sin. Therefore, Abraham requested, please part from me. Any thoughts? Lot traveled from the east. Journeying away from the east, Kedem alludes to Lot deliberately distancing himself from Kadmon, the one who preceded the universe. Any thoughts? Lot declared, I don't want Abram or his God. God said to Abram after Lot had parted, as long as the white, as a wicked Lot was in Abram's company, God did not speak to him. Any thoughts? No. The Torah tells us Lot's story, not to inform us of his wickedness, but to teach us that Abram's goal was that even a wicked person such as Lot should come to appreciate God and display self-sacrifice to fulfill God's will. When it became necessary for Abram to send Lot away, Abram still kept a strong connection with him, saying, Wherever you live, I will not distance myself from you, and I will stand by you as a protector and a helper. Abram's commitment to Lot was so strong that he was willing to risk his life to fight a war against the four kings to save Lot. And it was this that finally convinced Lot of the greatness of Abram and the truth of his teachings. Any thoughts? No. Mm -hmm. 
We find that even Lot remained wicked and dwelled in Sodom. He was nevertheless inspired by Abram's self-sacrifice to the extent that he too risked his own life in order to welcome guests. Any thoughts? Bites. The people of Sodom were perverted and corrupt to God to the extreme. The people of Sodom were the third incarnation of the dysfunctional souls which Adam brought into being during the 130 years he separated from his wife. God does all these things to a man twice, even three times. This was the third and last failed incarnation of these souls. When they next reappear, they will be reincarnated into the Jewish people in Egypt. And then finally, they will attain their tikkun, their spiritual healing. Any thoughts? That's probably enough for today. Alright. Okay, so when are you taking off? Tomorrow? Yep. I'm planning to. Okay, I'm well. Pla- yeah, what are you saying? Uh, that, that's another journey. Yep, alright. Okay, All right. Thanks, later. Thanks,